myself. So it's great to see you guys. And uh, glad that uh, the Hicks could be with us uh, this service. <laughs> uh, so um, the Lord has uh, certainly given us a, a great conference, and we're really appreciative uh, to the missions committee for all their work. Um, I was at home last week, and, and Teresa and I watched the videos. I thought they were very well done. Um, it's just um, encouraging that, that we didn't have to skip missions conference. Um, but that the Lord provided a way for us to hear from our missionaries just in a different way, right? And so it's just really, really encouraging. Um, so thank you guys uh, for putting uh, everything together for us uh, for this morning. And we look forward to hearing from Jeff and Angie in a little while. I wanted to um, just share a story with you. I, I have had a little bit of time on my hands the last few weeks. And I've still been able to do a lot of reading and one of the things I enjoy doing is reading, I love history. So just being able to, to read um, some church history in the last few weeks. And one of the things the Lord did is just kind of reinforce um, how blessed I am to live when I do, right? To live now. Because information is just so readily available. And the scriptures are. I mean, how many Bibles do you have in your home? On your shelf? <laughs> Right? Some of them you probably hadn't used in years. Um, but I was reading about William Tyndale. And uh, it just real, the Lord just really impressed on my mind to um, put some of the information together. So this is kind of a compilation of different sources um, that talk about his life and the commitment he had to see the scriptures reproduced. And... Um, it reminded me of that video last week. We were watching that one video. I think it was Gene Jordan's about the boy people. It just so reminded me of Bob and Judy and their ministry. I was like, that's their ministry. That was their ministry. I was sitting at home going, that was their ministry. And um, that's, it just got me thinking about the commitment of missionaries. And so maybe, I don't know, once a month or so, I may put together something like this just to remind us. Um, you know, about church history and about how the Lord had, has brought people um, into our lives that have obviously lived before us but that have made a tremendous mark in Christianity. So let me just read um, this about William Tyndale. In large part, we have the Bible in English today because of the steadfastness of William Tyndale. 90% of the King James Version of the Bible and 75% of the Revised Standard Version are from the translation of the Bible into English made by William Tyndale. Back in the 14th century, John Wycliffe was the first to make an English translation of the Bible, but that was before the invention of the printing press. In fact, the church had banned the unauthorized translation of the Bible into English in 1408. Over a hundred years later, Tyndale had a tremendous desire to make the Bible available even to the common people in England. At one point, Tyndale told a priest these words, If God spares my life, though many years pass... I shall know more of the scriptures than thou dost. While he had a great desire to translate the Bible into English, it was illegal. He went to London to ask Bishop Tunstall if he could 
be authorized to make an English translation of the Bible, but the bishop would not give approval. However, Tyndale did not let that discourage him from carrying out what he believed the Lord wanted him to do. With encouragement and support of some British merchants, he decided to go to Europe to complete the translation work and then have it printed and smuggled back into England. In 1524, Tyndale sailed for Germany. And in Hamburg, he worked on the New Testament. And in Cologne, he found a printer who would print the work. News of Tyndale's activity came to an opponent of the Reformation who had had the press raided. Tyndale managed to escape and came to the German town, German city, excuse me, of Worms, where the New Testament was soon published. 6,000 copies were printed and smuggled into England. Just think about that, man. <laughs> the bishops did everything they could to eradicate the Bibles. Bishop Tunstall had copies burned at St. Paul's. And the Archbishop of Canterbury bought up copies. Listen to this. Bought up copies in order to destroy them. You know what Tyndale did? He used the money to print improved editions. <laughs> That's what I was laughing at. That. I was like, man, Lord, you're awesome. King Henry VIII, then in the middle of his divorce with Queen Catherine, offered Tyndale a safe passage to England to serve as his writer and scholar, Tyndale refused to do it, saying he would not return until the Bible could be legally translated into English. Tyndale continued hiding among the merchants and began translating the Old Testament while the king's agents searched all over England for him. Tyndale was finally found by an Englishman who pretended to be his friend but then turned him over to the authorities. After a year and a half in prison, he was brought to trial for heresy. Now listen to the, these accusations. For believing, among other things, in the forgiveness of sins. <laughs> My goodness. And that mercy offered in the gospel was enough for salvation. In August of 1536, he was condemned. And on October 6, 1536, he was strangled and his body burned at the stake. You know what his last prayer was? His last prayer was this, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. That just greatly encouraged me. I was like, you know, Lord, we have leaders in our country. You know what we need to do? We, that same prayer. Lord, open the eyes of those that rule over us. That was his last prayer. And the prayer in part was answered three years later. In 1539, King Henry VIII required every parish church in England to make a copy of the English Bible, making it available to parishioners. You know, there's nothing like holding a copy of God's Word. And I just would encourage us just to be encouraged by the fact that there were people like Tyndale who were willing to give their lives for the gospel of Christ, for the advancement of the, of the Word of God. So I just wanted to kind of encourage you with that this morning. It really encouraged me as we... Uh, Look forward to another day of our missions conference. So, why don't we have a word of prayer and then we'll begin uh, together? God, we just want to thank you so much this morning for uh, people like William Tyndale, John Wycliffe, so many others that we'll take a look at over the next year or so. Just 
reading through their stories, thinking about, Lord, how they were just committed to you and how you used them. And, and Lord, none of us in here may be a William Tyndale or John Wick, Wycliffe, Lord, but we can, we, can be, um, we can be committed to you. We can say, Lord, whatever it is you want us to do, um, I just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to consider these things. Uh, consider how you're working throughout the world. Help us to be mindful of the different ways that, that we can pray, not only for our leaders in this country, but around the world. Uh, Lord, most of all for their salvation. Um, but Lord, also just praying that, Lord, that we would uh, remain committed to your gospel, to your, to your word, Lord, even as persecution may get greater and greater, even in the United States. Help us to be steadfast. Thank you, Lord, for um, our missions conference and for the different speakers that we've heard uh, via video and this morning as we hear more. And we just pray for uh, Jeff and Angie, Lord, as they share with us. And, and just thank you for their commitment to you. And um, just pray that uh, your spirit would guide us and that, Lord, you would receive all the glory in what's done today. And all this I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, good morning again. I'm glad y'all are here to continue, and I think this will be our last main uh, uh, Sunday for missions conference this year. Um, we really wondered how the conference would go with COVID and everything else that's going on, and we thought, well, we'll be happy to put on a good Sunday. Well, this is the third Sunday. The Lord just keeps blessing us with things to hear about, and so we're glad you're here for that. We do have a local... Um, Home Church Missionary Group, Dave and Brenda Hinkle, and they're going to come up now and share just a few minutes with us. Good morning. Psalm 66.5 says, Come and see the works of God, who is awesome in his deeds toward the sons of man. I'm sure all of you already know what a jewel we have found here at Grace Community Church. Last year, between COVID and David having both needs replaced at the same time, God has grown my faith by leaps and bounds. What cannot be worked out on paper can easily be done by God. I want to thank each and every one of you for whatever you did that God was leading you to do for us in 2020. I pray for you daily. If you have any specific prayer request, please let me know because you are in my prayers daily. We are so thankful to God for you. Yes, we are. Now, if most of you have know I've shared this before, that when the Holy Spirit deals with me, 99.9% of the time it's not a warm and fuzzy feeling because there's a lot of correction that goes on in here. So I've had to chew on this, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and you can't spit it out because he's watching you. So I finally swallow it, and now I'm allowed to, once I've applied it, to share it. So the problem was is... Um, 
COVID shut us down pretty much last March. You know, you were dealing with a lot of kids, and the Lord recently has revealed to me that um, it's 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 time. It's time to get back at it. So we st- we're going to start classes up in May, archery classes, and we call them AWAPA classes. So a lot of you wonder what that stands for. It's Arrow with a Purpose Archery. One of the kids said, is that the noise it makes when it hits the target? AWAPA. And I said, you can call it whatever you want, but as long as you come to the classes. Uh, we actually started in August and uh, had an event there only a few months after my surgery, and I was able to stand through the whole thing. And then in October, we were at Moody's Oktoberfest. We had 300 kids come through and 30 changed lives, and that was just an awesome thing to, to watch God work. But the Holy Spirit is asking me to share this, so uh, y'all can chew on it a while. Second Timothy chapter 3, chapter 2, verse 3. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. I've never been in the military. I know a lot of you guys have. And I've seen a true soldier before. Um, I had one uh, start with me at Bass Pro Shops. It was about 10 years ago. And he came in, and he was at attention, I mean, straight out of the Marines, listening to our manager for every detail of what he had to do. And I thought it was kind of funny at first, but then I thought, you know, that's, that's pretty serious stuff. About a month later, he got corrected for uh, correcting a customer that thought he knew more about guns than, than he did and reprimanded for it. And I went to him, and I said, David, I don't want you to get fired. If ever you have anything like that with a customer again, I want you to come to me. We'll go in the archery range. You go off on me. Well, he did. I had a customer. He said, this way, I went in. This is what he said 10 years ago. He said, look, I don't have the tolerance for civilian life. I was trained to do something. They bring me back, put me in a box, and say, don't do that anymore. They tell me to take these tests here at Bass Pro. They said, well, you can kind of do it on your own time. I don't know what my own time is. Also, the lackadaisical attitude they have in the military would cost lives. A month ago, he brought him back in my life. said, do you still teach kids? I do. And he said, I have a donation with some bows. And the Lord had me going through 2 Timothy at the time. In order to be a soldier, you go to boot camp. And they teach you to not entangle your lives with earthly things. You only listen to what that commander tells you to do, and that's what you do. So I had to look at how, what kind of soldier am I for Christ? Am I pleasing the one that enlisted me? Our country is safe, and we have no fear because of the training of the military we've had. I mean, we're blessed, but as Christians, what does it look like? What does our army look like? I was very convicted over this. So now that we're applying, we're going to move forward because it costs souls if we don't. We're going to move forward with that. Now, that, it's hard to swallow, I know, because I have to look like that's it in inward first before I can do anything outward. So all I'm asking is, the mission has not changed. I could see David, if I told him, 
All right, David, this is the mission. We're to go out and make disciples, and we're to tell everything that the Lord taught us. He would be direct looking right at me. Okay, but there's a virus out there that could kill you. He wouldn't take his eyes off me. He'd grab a mask and be ready. Okay, what's next? So we were created for fellowship. If you're not here, we miss you. We miss you dearly. We had supper club last night, and I went in there, and I'm, usually I go to bed with the turkeys. When they fly up, I'm in bed. You know, but last night we were there late talking, and I'm like, man, what's going on? I crave fellowship, and that's what we're, dev- we're made for. So if you're not here, we miss you dearly. But I want to just challenge you that the mission has not changed. The approach has. So we're going to do everything we got to do. We're going to have disinfectants. We'll spray you down if we have to, you know, before you shoot. But the gospel has to go forward, you know, no matter what entangles us here on earth. So thank you all so much. appreciate that um, they're so focused, and we need to be focused as well on what God has for us to do. Now, in the first service, when David was talking about the back of his shirt, do you remember what it said? A wappa? I thought, well, that's what my mama used to say. If you don't clean your room, I'm going to wappa you. <laughs> um, next, we've got a video, a short video, from some of our missionaries that are in Peru. Um, They've been there for over 30 years. They served with South American Mission, and uh, in their early years, they were riding the long boats up and down rivers uh, dealing with uh, uh, the people that lived in the far regions. John uh, now has uh, taken on the uh, field administrator role for the Peru uh, SAM mission. Um, He takes care of things so that the missionaries don't have to, like dealing with compliance that the government lays on them, like uh, managing uh, the people, the field office, and also being responsible to steward the financial uh, donations that they receive for their projects. And so the missionaries serving there really appreciate that. His wife, Minori, um, has served as the administrator of the SAM Academy, S-A-M Academy, which is a school for missionary kids. And that is to primarily take the burden of having to worry about their education off of the parents so that they can do the work that that God has for them to do there. She's taught, she's administered. um, She has recently kind of changed her focus. She still has those responsibilities, but she's focusing more on outreach. And she's doing that through teaching an ESL class, second English as a second language class, and also as uh, uh, having a women's Bible study. So she's really trying to reach out into the community uh, to uh, uh, interact with those people, to share God's love with them, and to share the gospel as well. Uh, They both understand that's their mission, like David was saying, to uh, keep doing what God sent them out there to do. So let's, let's watch their video now.
everybody. Let's all stand and worship the Lord together this morning. Um, Psalm 19.4 says that, uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my salvation. That's our, that's our prayer this morning, right? That everything we do is pleasing to the Lord. So let's worship you. Weep out our hearts. 
open darkness. O Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. O Lord, we cast down our idols. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And God, let us be generation that seeks seeks your face oh God of Jacob and God let us be a generation that seeks seeks your face oh God of Jacob bow our hearts we bend our knees O Spirit come make us humble we turn our eyes from evil things O Lord we cast down our idols give us clean hands give us pure hearts let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And God, let us be a generation that seeks, seeks your Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And God, let us be a generation that your face, O God of Jacob, and God let us be a generation that seeks, seeks your face, O God of Jacob. We bow our hearts. We bow our Spirit, come make us humble. 
of praise that rise from earth to touch your heart and glorify your name, your name is a strong and mighty tower, your name is a shelter like no other, your name. Sing louder, nothing has the power to save but your name. Jesus, in your name we pray. Strength to live for you and glorify your name. Your name is a strong and mighty tower. Your name is a shelter like no other. Your name, let the nations sing it louder. Nothing has the power to save, but your name is a strong and mighty tower. Your name is a shelter like no other. Your name, let the nation sing it louder. Nothing has the power to save but your name. Well, guys, we were encouraged this morning by what uh, Thad shared and then what David shared and um, this last song meant as encouragement as well. Uh, so uh, you guys that know it can sing along, um, and if you don't know it, just listen to the words.
serving there for over 18 years, long time. So they're very committed. We appreciate their commitment to the service of the Lord. And um, 
they'll probably say it, but since they told me about it, I'm going to share it anyway. It's in a region of the world that they call the Graveyard of Missions. And if you know about the, the Indian government, how it has become very anti-Christian now, that's easy to understand that. So let's have them come up and share their ministry with us. First of all, I'd like to thank you. Um, Springville Road Community Church partnered with us back when we were first trying to go to the field, and we left in 2001. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, we left in September of 2001, but we started, we partnered with Springville Road Community Church in like the year 2000, and they helped us get on the field, one of the few churches that partnered with us back then and are still with us now. So we'd like to thank you for your prayers and support through the years. Um, I know it was before you became Grace Community Church, and we we appreciate you and uh, your continued prayers and support. Um, we we work with a missions organization called Christar. He mentioned that, and um, Christar's main focus is least reach people groups around the world, and work primarily with Hindus and Muslims and like Chinese atheists. But um, our focus, we, we believe that God called us to work among Hindus. And we, I, I know when we first were married, I wasn't sure exactly where God was calling me. And uh, she'll, she'll share a little bit of her testimony and, and what led her to um, think about India. But we took a summer trip to India with Teen Missions International. If you're familiar with them, they're over on Merritt Island, Florida. And they go to about 40 different countries every summer. Used to. I don't think they're doing it right now because of COVID. But uh, we took 28 teenagers to India for a summer trip. Spent the summer there. And it was one of the hardest, most difficult summers of my life. But God used that summer to lead me to full-time missions in India. So I knew after that that that's where God wanted us, us to go. So we planned. Um, we started looking at different organizations. Ended up joining Christar. And we left 2001. Uh, we spent a couple years in a, one of the holy cities of India, holy as in holy to the Hindus, uh, called Varanasi. We spent two years there studying the language and, and uh, uh, getting a little bit adjusted to the culture before we moved out to the remote, more remote area of Bihar, where we've been working. And uh, that's where we, we we're working among a people group called the Maital people, and our video will share... I'll show you a little bit about that, but Angie wants to share some of her testimony. Uh, I was just going to share how God called me to India, because a lot of times when we're over there doing Bible clubs or sharing Jesus with the people, they're like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Did your government send you? I'm like, no. Actually, I was teaching a Bible club in front of this Hindu temple, and the Hindu priest, the woman was kind of harassing me. She said, why are you brainwashing these kids? And the Hindu priest stood in and he said, she's doing this because God loves us. And that was the love that God put in my heart when I was 19 years old. My 21-year-old cousin was killed in a motorcycle accident and I wasn't living for God. And it was at that time that God really convicted me of the sin I was living in. And I started reading some of Amy Carmichael's books and it was through reading her books that God just put this love in my heart for the Hindu people in India. And it wasn't until then... I'd ever even thought about going to India. So I just thank God that uh, he did that work in my life to share that with the people there. 
Just to tell you a little bit about India, if you're not familiar with it, it's the second, uh, second largest population in the world, second to China. And one of the, if you've ever heard the term culture shock, uh, one of the things that causes culture shock for me, and I think many other uh, missionaries or people from uh, other parts of the world when they go there, is the population. And I have a little illustration to, to give you an idea of what it's like. Uh, if you look at this piece of paper as, just imagine that this is America, you know, we're kind of a rectangle-shaped uh, country. India is one-third the size of America. So if you can imagine pushing everyone in America into this much of our country, you can imagine how, you know, uh, crowded things would start to get. But they're also, they're not only one-third the size of our country, but they're also three times the population of our country. So if you take that and fold it into a third of that, and you take all the Americans and squeeze us into that much of our country, that, that gives you an idea of how thick the population is. You can actually feel the population. But the other thing that causes culture shock in India is their religion, because it's a billion people, over a billion people, and they're 80% Hindu. So you've got over 800 million Hindus, so it's, and it's, their religion is not just something that they go and do, it's part of their culture. So it's everywhere that you go, it's in their businesses, all over their, you know, their, the, whatever work they do is, is, has some connection with it. So it's very much in your face. Uh, so you can pray for the Hindus in India. There's also 14% of the population in India is Muslim. So if you know anyone who's wanting to work among Muslims, most people don't think of India as a, as a country to work among Muslims, but that's 140, 140 million Muslims. So, uh, and there's a great need for workers, not many people working among them. We're going to go ahead and share our video, and then afterwards we're going to give a little bit more of an update of what's going on in India since COVID, and uh, so we'll start the video now. Yes, we're working among the Maithili people in North Bihar, and uh, there's about 25 million Maithili speaking people in the world, and the majority of them live in northern Bihar, where we live. Uh, there's also a large population of them in the bordering district of Nepal. Um, this is the area is known as Mithilachal. They're one of the least reached people groups in India. There's about one Christian in every 15,000 among the Maithili speakers. It has been a real blessing to see believers at Hassanchok Fellowship growing in their faith and knowledge of God's Word, as well as beginning to reach out into some new areas. The women from the Hassanchok Fellowship have been sharing about Jesus in three villages. In one of the villages, Shubankarpur, Ranjani and Angie have been doing weekly Bible studies with Anita and Kala. Anita and Kala have been praying for a church to start in their village. Jeff and John, along with Seth and Vinit, were having Sunday morning worship at Anita's house every week. Sonu, Anita's son, said that God had given him a desire to see a church started in his village.
Last year, a team from John's Church in Chicago came to Darbunga. They came to share with local believers some of the biblical principles about being peacemakers. On the day that Angie brought some of the team to share in the village in Chubankarpur, they encountered a group of people mourning loudly because a man had just committed suicide. It was a young man whom we had visited and shared God's word with on several occasions. The past year, the government had placed a ban on alcohol, and in order to overcome their withdrawals, many of the men were taking various drugs. As a result, some, including this young man, were becoming mentally unstable. Please pray that we will see more men in that area come to faith and be healed of their addictions. The people in this village are called squatters because they don't own their own land but have built small homes out of clay, bamboo, and plastic. They have no running water and no electricity. Some high caste people have been oppressing them by loaning them money at extremely high interest rates. Some radical Hindus recently threatened a widow there who is a believer. They told her she can no longer follow Jesus else they will kick her out of the village. They hit her and forced her to make rice and offer it to the idols. Please pray for the believers in Gaihomi to stand strong in their faith despite persecution. Persecution against Christians in India is on the rise because of a new radical Hindu government that is currently in power. Suman and Anjali were two girls forced into Hindu marriages. Anjali told us her in-laws were involving her in prostitution. Despite us trying to stop these girls' marriages, with the help of the Women's Protection Office, both these girls withdrew the reports and there was nothing the Women's Protection Office could do. Please pray for these two girls to grow in their faith as well as other girls who are being forced into arranged marriages. It's the song of the redeemed Rising from the African plain It's the song of the forgiven Drowning out the Amazon rain The song of Asian believers Filled with God's holy fire It's every tribe, every tongue, every nation A love song born of a grateful choir It's all God's children singing glory, glory To the faithful gathered underground Of all the songs sung from the dawn of creation Some were meant to persist Of all the bells rung from a thousand steeples None rings truer than this 
Thank you for your prayers and support. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Through your labor of love and sacrifice, we can see Hindus and Muslims come to Christ in India. All God's children singing glory, glory. Hallelujah, he It's a little bit of an older video, so we're going to do a little bit, some updates, some slides with some updates on that. But um, near the end there, you saw something about business with coffee farmers. Some of you might not know what we're doing there, but um, India doesn't provide missionary visas anymore. Many years ago, they did. So we're, I'm actually on a business visa, and the kids and Angie were on uh, entry visas for a long time, and then the government changed that and required that they go on tourist visas to travel with me in India and to live in India. So uh, you can pray for us when we go back. Um, last time we came home, I brought a, I actually made a, some connections with the coffee farmers in the Northeast. So last time I came home, I purchased a roaster and brought back with me. And I set up a roaster in Siligori, this city that we've been in for the last couple of years. And uh, we're going to share a little bit more about that. But um, Angie, will, it's going to give you some updates, and then we'll start the slides. So on the video, you saw a young lady named Nandini. She was one of the young girls that actually came to faith as a teenager. And then when she was 18, she told her father that uh, she would only marry a Christian boy. And because she 
told him that, he kicked her out of the home. And God did bring her a Christian man. His name is Mukun, and together they're helping with Mala's project. You saw a lot of the tuition centers in the video and different outreaches, so they're overlooking that since we've been gone. And even when COVID went on, they went into the villages to encourage the people. Because he works with World Vision, he was able to get a vehicle that was able to travel on the roads. And he went into that squatter's village to actually, one of the women wanted to leave the village and they weren't allowed to travel. The lockdown was pretty tight there. And uh, her husband had brought a new wife home to live in the hut. And so she decided she wanted to leave. But when he went, when they went there to get her, uh, they wouldn't let the kids go. So if you could just remember her, her name's Poonam, and we'll show you a slide of her later. But um, we could start the slides, the pictures, and if you could just remember Nandini and Mukun, uh, her father still hasn't talked to her since she's been married, and her mother had died as a child. So this is just uh, on the top there. Uh, where we have been working, Bihar, and um, the last two years we moved to the state next to Bihar. Bihar is in red on the border of Nepal, and we moved east to West Bengal, and we were traveling uh, on a bus, overnight bus. It was six and a half hours to get to Bihar and do outreach there. It became real unsafe for our daughter in Bihar, and so that was one of the reasons we moved but it's just been neat to see how God's using uh, us in this new area to uh, help mobilize Nepali and uh, Northeastern Christians to give them a vision to reach the Maital people. Even though it's only six and a half hours away, a lot of these believers in that area have never been to Bihar. They're like scared to go. And so it was kind of neat to bring a girl over to Bihar. She was musical from Northeast India. And um, she played her guitar and a Hindi song and how God used her to encourage the Maital people there. If you're familiar with Northeastern Indians, they're a little bit different culturally and they look different, a little bit more Chinese. So um, in our area, we didn't have very many musical people. So it was just neat to see how God could use the Northeastern Indians to uh, encourage the uh, Maital people there. So if you could just, we ask for your prayers in that area and that we'll get permission to go back and work in West Bengal and Bihar. And it, you, okay. Um, you can pray for a family as we're planning to go back to India in August, but this time it will probably be only Angie and I. Uh, our two oldest sons are getting married this summer, and our daughter is turning 18. She's graduating high school, so she'll be staying in the U.S. and starting college. And our youngest, Joshua there, uh, he will be, he, he's planning to go to a boarding school in Thailand. So we're working through the application process. You can pray about that. If that works out, he'll go there. So uh, August, we plan to go back. So one of the hardest things uh, in the work there was working with the young kids, and as they came to faith, and when they got to be around 16, 17, they were forced into these Hindu marriages, and we just asked for your prayers that we can continue to work with the local government offices 
as well as do outreach in these areas to uh, encourage the people in their faith. Uh, we're taking some training right now with Wycliffe on how to become like scripture engagers and do trauma healing and combine the two. And we're just praying that we could use the New Testament, which was translated into mightily, and uh, use that in Bible studies with a lot of these house groups. And a lot of the people we work with are illiterate, so there's actually an app that we can use to let them hear the mightily New Testament. One interesting thing about the people we work with, even though the language of the people's mightily, that's what the Brahmins speak, that's the high caste, the national language is Hindi, which we studied. I did study mightily too, but realized, oh, only the high caste are speaking this, and all the friends I'm hanging out with are like mixing the two. It's like a dialect. And so I had to really, I was happy though, because I could start breaking down the grammar, which I was horrible at. <laughs> These women just speak very ghetto, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> you're my friends, because <laughs> I wasn't very good at all the, you know, feminine, masculine, and, uh, and these women, they don't care. So we're just praying that when we return, we'll be able to, uh, yeah, encourage the people through the scriptures and these trauma healing groups. A lot of the people we were working with have been through a lot of traumatic uh, events, and on the video, we mentioned Shubankarpur, the lady Anita, one of the believers in Shubankarpur, was praying for a church, and Angie and, and Ranjani were going out there and meeting with her, and then our son Seth and his friend Vineet were leading some of the uh, Sunday morning times, and John and I were also going out there. Uh, it's actually been growing since then. It was just their family, but there, uh, uh, some of the, several of the other neighbors are coming in, and it's partly because of a, an outreach that we're doing with. Um, oh, you have it. <laughs> yeah, it's partly because of an outreach we're doing with, uh, like tuition centers. We have we have three tuition programs in that village, so a lot of the kids are coming there for the tuition, and the the parents are coming. So that's started to grow the fellowship. Also, that's meeting together um, in that village. We also have a Bible club there with the kids. This is uh, the students of the blind school, Mala's blind school. We started it for girls because in our city, they didn't have, they had a blind school for boys, but not for girls. And the boy there on the right is, is or on the left is actually uh, the one boy that we allowed in. And it, we're really open to anyone because it's a Christian blind school and the other one is run by Hindus. And actually the, the blind man who's teaching i think it was in the video he's actually a hindu but he has uh parts of the bible in braille that he's using to teach with we we got from delhi and there's a lady there who's teaching them bible songs and and stories so that's uh you can pray for mala's blind school we're also trying to reach their families the one girl who her mom was mentioned on there she has a little tea stall that her their whole family has come to faith they're her husband came to faith before he passed away with TB, and we're, we're meeting with these other families, the families of the other two children, and hoping to see them come to faith also. Uh, our team leader, John, was mentioned also in the video. Uh, last time he left India, went back to the States, he, he wasn't allowed to go back into India, so he's been blacklisted, and we're not sure exactly why. 
It's partly because we, we believe because he's doing Christian work there. But uh, he was also on a business visa, and he was working with these poor schools out in the village. So that didn't, I think that didn't quite make sense to the government uh, as a business. So we're not sure they didn't tell him exactly why they blacklisted him. But uh, his heart was in, in India among the Maitil people, and he, it still is. But he found, he found out that he could go to work in Nepal just across the border on the map I should have shown you. Um, across the border is Nepal, and there are six mightily speaking districts right there in Nepal, so he's right there. And some of the people that he worked with have been able to cross over and visit with him there, and he's been really encouraged the last few months with the, what's going on there. God's working among the mightal people there in Nepal. And if you could just remember that Gaihomi village, that's the squatter village that has gone through persecution for following Christ, if you could just continue to pray for them, they're continuing to have worship time. That's the village where the woman wanted to leave during COVID. She's still there in the hut. And uh, there's a believer going to the village to teach the children. And yeah, that she's in the front in the yellow sari, uh, punam. But if you could pray for her and the other ladies who are, have given their life to Jesus, they can't, they're, they're, the radical Hindus don't let them sing in the village. So the group is meeting in this small little house outside the village on the main road. And the persecution started after we went there and we were trying to throw the Frisbee on a cricket field to get some girls involved in our Frisbee team. And uh, there were these 50 men that decided to question us that we were not allowed to play on this frisbee on the field. And I said, I think we could play on this field. Uh, we don't need it. They were saying we needed a visa. And I'm, I'm like, could you guys just kind of move over a little bit? We'd like just to throw the frisbee. It was my daughter and three girls. And in India, ultimate frisbee is very well organized. And we wanted to go to a competition where you needed girls on your team. So uh, they went and stopped harassing us. The women came from the village and said, let's just go. And it was the next day when that persecution broke out in Guyomi. Pastor Bippin went in, and then they beat him. And um, we're just praying that this radical Hindu group would leave these squatters village alone, and they can start singing again in the village and continue to worship. If you can remember, too, Vineet was in our video. Uh, he was part of that Frisbee team, and he was our second son's, like, best friend growing up. And he decided to follow Jesus as a young man. But now, as an adult, he's kind of mixing Hinduism back into it. So if you could remember him in your prayers. Yeah, we do have someone doing a tuition program in that village where, they're, where they don't want any Christian stuff. She can't, the kids can't sing Christian songs or anything, but she can go in there and teach them just uh, basic um, uh, literacy. It's just like an education program because the public schools are terrible in in that city. It's um, it, they don't actually teach anything. The t teachers will sit there and not teach for the entire class time, and then they hold tuition at their home, where they charge the students to come to their home and get private tuition. So it's just very corrupt. So it's, it's like a small, it's basically like a small school. We have someone going in there and just teaching them. Some of it's English and some of it's just basic math and 
risks. So um, since COVID happened, we were actually outside of the country when it hit and weren't able to get back into the country. So uh, Shatragan, one of, one of the pastors that we're partnering with to work, who's been working in Shubankarpur, uh, was he has a motorcycle, so he was able to go out into the, the villages among the people that we're working with and bring, bring them food and stuff because they, they work daily for their daily food and they go out and buy their food daily. So he, he was delivering food to them to help them during this crisis. Um, that's Shatragan there in the middle with the white shirt. And this is Anita's family. Um, yeah, right after the lockdown during COVID, her second son decided he was going to get baptized. So that was just a really neat so, thing God did during the time of COVID. And even during that time lockdown, we were able to send in Bible studies through an app called WhatsApp that we use over there. And so it was a way to keep encouraging the people. There were audio, and they could listen to the Bible studies. And... Uh, so this is, this is Abhishek, the one who uh, went, accepted baptism, and Anita Shatragan. Um. And if you could just continue, this is a small Hassan Choke fellowship that you saw in the video, and it was the first house church, but right now they're not meeting. The main woman, Rani, has fallen back into some witchcraft, and Pastor Bippin keeps going to try to encourage them. and. There's just been some tension there because she did that. So if you could pray that they'll regularly start meeting again on Sunday. And the woman in the back, she actually passed away during COVID. Not from COVID. She, uh, it was just like cancer had spread through her body. And she was actually one of the women. She's all the way in the back with the red scarf on her head that learned how to read through the literacy program. And she started writing songs in this Taiti dialect. So she left this small house fellowship with these really neat songs that they're not in Hindi or Maithili, but really in their dialect. And the women are still singing them. Uh, they learned them just by listening. So uh, just if you could pray for that Hassan Choke Fellowship and our, the team there that we could uh, Go back to West Bengal in August. Um, our, I mentioned that our team leader was in Nepal. Where we live for the last two years was in West Bengal, and it's right on the border of Nepal. We can actually cross over, and about it takes about an hour to get there from from the city we're living in, and uh, we can cross over. That was our children and some of our friends who actually crossed over to visit John in Nepal. Um, our team leader, John, when he, when he found out about this people group, the Maitel people, uh, this, this became his life verse and uh, shared it with us. And this, this really made an impact on us, thinking of working among this people group who was among the, the least reached. It's Romans 15:20. It says, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on this is a different translation, on someone else's foundation. So that's been an encouragement to us, and we just thank you for your prayers and support. Um. All right, thank you, uh, Jeff and Angie. And I just, um, first service, I had just a few minutes, and I, shared a little bit and uh, if you don't mind I'll take about five minutes and just share something with you that I think can be really encouraging and challenging for us 
as uh, believers. So take your Bibles, turn real quick to 2 Thessalonians in the third chapter. Um, the Lord kind of put it on my heart while I was sitting there first service, and uh, uh, we had a little extra time, and um, it was something that I was like, I don't know if I really want to share this, Lord, because this is really convicting. Um, and then there's one of those moments where it's like, you better share this. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. And so I'm hopefully going to encourage you in this. And uh, just know that it's a challenge for me first. Um, I know that you probably know how many hours are in a week. Right? If you were to take a quiz on that, you know there's 168 hours in a week. And um, the Lord was just impressing uh, on me uh, you know, what do we do with our time? If we were to journal for one month, the 168 hours we have in each of those weeks, you know, what would that look like? You know, what, obviously we sleep, and obviously we eat, and we go to work, and we go to school, but there are hours, would we not say, uh, in that 168, where maybe sometimes we're not doing anything. Um, and I was impressed by the Lord to talk about maybe something that we could do in that 168 hours. This is a challenge, especially after listening to um, the videos last week and then watching this morning, listening to the testimonies. One of the things that the Lord uh, obviously wants us to do as believers is to pray is to have that discipline of prayer. When we look in the life of Christ, and you go through the Gospels, and many times in his life of ministry on earth, after long days, what do you find him doing? Praying with his Father, right? And so we know who discipled the Apostle Paul. The Lord Jesus did. Christ did. So... Paul writes this statement in 1 Corinthians 11. He says to the Corinthian church, imitate me as I imitate Christ, mimic me as I mimic Christ. That's the, that's the word. Well, if he was to mimic the life of Christ, then prayer would be a big part of that, right? Because Christ was dependent on his father. And so part of that lesson to Paul would have been, hey, you need to be dependent on me. Well, when you think about it as it relates to missions conference, you know, there, there are things that you and I can do in missions conference. We can hear what's being said by our missionaries. Uh, we can um, engage with them on a personal level. We can give and we can even go. But like I told them first service, uh, we don't have to go to the mission field. We're on the mission field, right? God has given us a mission field. So with that in mind, it's like, okay, Lord, you've given us a mission and that is to share the gospel of Christ. And you've given us an opportunity as a local fellowship to be able to engage with our missionaries. And part of that privilege that we have is not only giving and going, but is praying. It's taking what Jeff and Angie asked for in terms of request. You know, we don't know these folks around the world. We don't have to. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we can pray for them. And so... I was impressed as I read um, First and Second Thessalonians. That's where I've been just kind of reading uh, in my quiet times. And in First Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 25, Paul 
as we have it, there are four words. Brethren, pray for us. <laughs> so it'd be kind of easy if you're going through First Thessalonians to kind of skip over that verse, you know. It just says, brethren, pray for us. But what was Paul's expectation for those believers? Pray. That they would pray. And so he specifically says, pray for us. And in the context of First Thessalonians, we know that that involved uh, three individuals. Paul and Silas and Timothy. Pray for us. Well, then you come to 2 Thessalonians in chapter 3, and you see the exact same phrase. Look in chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us. <laughs> so within a very short window there, you have this phrase repeated to this church. He says, pray for us, and he's very specific, that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly. And so that's the prayer that we have, we should have for Jeff and Angie and every other missionary around the world that the gospel of Christ would spread rapidly, that the word would spread rapidly. And we know there's power in the word. But then notice what he says. He says that it will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it also did with you. Well, it was glorified, and if you go back and read Acts 17, there are many that came to Christ. But one of the ways that the, the word of God is glorified is that, you know, just like the Apostle Paul was com committed to um, giving the whole counsel of God, we as believers, if we want to glorify the Lord, we can do that by standing on the gospel of Christ and by defending the gospel and not moving away to it to the left or to the right. So we glorify, we can glorify the Lord um, by being committed to, um, to his word and, and by um, standing on the truth. But notice he doesn't just ask for prayer in those areas. Notice what he says, verse 2. Not only, hey, pray for the advancement of the gospel and that it would be glorified, but he says in verse 2, and that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men for not all have faith. In other words, this is what he's saying. Hey, there are enemies to the cross of Christ. They're enemies. And the majority of people, you think about it in our world, they're enemies to the cross of Christ. And so what a privilege we have, just as the Thessalonians, to be committed to praying for all of our missionaries. And to praying for one another that as the Lord opens up the doors of opportunity, that we would step through those doors. So I just want to kind of encourage you with that. And I want to wrap it up just with a story. When I was in college just a few years ago... Um, one of the requirements that we had, uh, and it was a requirement that we had, was to attend chapel services. And chapel services, to the best of my memory, uh, were four days a week. I think we had one day where we did not have chapel. But they were required. But you had ten times that you could skip during a semester. Do you know what chapels were skipped the most? Prayer chapel. Prayer chapel. Now, we went to Bogues and ate cinnamon rolls, right? But we skipped prayer chapel a lot. And missions chapel was skipped a lot. As I was sitting there this morning thinking about that first service, I was like, my goodness, what did I miss as a believer? You know, um, I could have eaten the cinnamon roll later, and those things are good. But the reality is that God has given us, think about this, that we're in his school, and he's given us the opportunity. And listen, 
we're, we have the freedom right now to be able to pray and go before the Lord any time we want to. And so I just want to encourage you as a believer in Christ and as a member of grace, as one who loves the Lord and loves missions, that this year we would take it upon ourselves to when we get updates from, the, from these missionaries and we see that list that usually is at the bottom of the letter, that we would take the time, just as Paul said. I mean, it's impressive to me that Paul took the time to say, pray for us. So that we would, as well as believers in Christ now, take the time to pray for Jeff and Angie and all the others of our missionaries who are out in the field. So I just want to encourage you with that this morning as we leave. Thank you, Jeff and Angie, for being with us. We appreciate you. You guys are going to be at the table afterwards. And so when we're dismissed, you guys can go out there and visit them. I think they have some cards and things there for you, uh, prayer cards and such. So why don't we stand? Let's close in prayer and we'll be dismissed. Lord, it would be an interesting time for us to kind of journal what a month would look like for us every day just to to see how we're spending our time. I know it's pretty convicting. and I just pray that you would um, help us to um, redeem the time and that uh, every day, Lord, you would just put on our minds and our hearts different missionaries within um, the uh, fellowship here at Grace and those that we support that are around the world. Lord, that you would uh, put it on our minds to just to be involved with them through prayer. And Lord, as Paul said, I mean, he recognized there was the enemy. There were enemies to the gospel. And, and, and that prayer support is so needed. It's wonderful to know, I'm sure for Jeff and Angie, that they have people around the world that literally pray for them all the time. And how many times... As individuals, have we had people come up to, to us and say, hey, I've been praying for you, and how encouraging is that? So let's pray you'd impress it upon our hearts that we might um, be faithful in that discipline of prayer. I thank you for the day that we've had as, at Missions Conference, and I pray that, Lord, you would just be with Jeff and Angie as they're on the field. I pray they're able to get back, and, Lord, that you would bless that ministry and all the different challenges that go into that ministry. Um, as I was thinking, Lord, as Jeff said, that you know um, the Hindus are just everything. It's everything is about their religion. I was thinking, well, you know, as a believer, um, I need to be showing who I belong to all the time as well. So I just pray that you would help us, Lord, that we would be uh, men and women and boys and girls who are committed to the gospel of Christ and to spreading the good news of the gospel. Help us, Lord, to be committed to that today and in the week to come and we pray all this in the name of Christ and for his sake. Amen. You are dismissed.